Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Dan Trottencheck, uh, Taking Care of Business podcast. And we got a great topic today. Um, of all the things we've kind of learned over the last couple of years is that uh, the pandemic and the changing market conditions have really accelerated a lot of things, particularly in the areas of how we interact with retailers and the services we use. And, and one of those things that has accelerated at light speed is consumers interaction online with retailers of choice. Um, you, you know, before I remember before the pandemic, I would speak to a lot of people about the challenges that Amazon presents for home improvement retailers. And, and I would, I would plead my case for why independent retailers needed websites and why they needed e-commerce. And, you know, I, I, one of the things I would always say is, you know, Amazon's like this big tank turn it turret that's kind of slowly turning in the direction of home improvement. And I would say, well, well you have time, but you really need to start your online, your e-commerce, your omni-channel uh, uh, thoughts right now so you can develop something. Well, what we've seen over the last two years is, man, that has accelerated. And, and the future is now when it comes to online and e-commerce for independent home improvement retailers. And today we have a couple of guests on our program that are going to speak to exactly that. They're going to talk about how the e-commerce landscape has changed. And they're going to talk a little bit about uh, Oracle and what Oracle is doing to kind of help retailers in that e-commerce sphere. So hang tight. We're going to be back in just a couple of seconds here. And just after this word for our sponsor, we're going to dive into this e-commerce discussion. Are you browsing your social media feed in search of home improvement product trends, management advice, and industry news, but coming up short? We've noticed it too. That's why Hardware Retailing is excited to announce our official Instagram launch for store managers, owners, and operators. The new Instagram feed will feature content with innovative ideas, the latest industry news, and product trends that are a must-have for your business. You spoke and we listened. Open your Instagram app now and follow at Hardware Retailing because it's the all-in-one social account for best practices, trends, and news that have been missing from your feed. Hey guys, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for taking some time out right before the end of the year to talk to us about what's going on. I mean, it's been another wild ride this year and I'm sure you guys are are, are pretty busy. We got Grant and Stephanie from Oracle. Grant and Stephanie, tell us a little bit about who you guys are and, and what you do with Oracle. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Grant Morrow. I'm a director of e-commerce at Oracle. Uh, it's a uh, uh, I've been with Oracle about eight years, uh, been doing e-commerce for about 17, I guess it's going on 18 years. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, overall, I, I just manage our e-commerce programs uh, and that's uh, been an evolving role, as you can imagine, sure. over the past decade, uh, as Oracle has invested more and more and more, obviously, uh, the amount of things we do, which we'll talk about some of that, I guess, today, yeah. uh, has expanded uh, significantly. Uh, yeah. Stephanie? Hi, 
Hi, I'm Stephanie Lee. I'm the product data manager here at Oracle. And uh, my job, as I like to explain it to my friends and family, is uh, to put hammers and nails on the internet. Um, of course, there's a, there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, my team is responsible for the content of Oracle's industry PIM, um, which is the source data for product information you see on Oracle.com and on many of our dealer sites. So we work closely with our content enrichment partner, uh, Unilog, um, to yeah. manage the taxonomy, pursue data, and ensure quality for uh, each of the items we make available to our users. Well, thank you guys for both, uh, again, taking the time here as the year's winding down to talk to us about this stuff. And it seems like we've got both the bases covered uh, with you guys kind of from the, the data side and the uh, e-commerce side. And, and Grant, I wanted to kind of start, obviously, you've got a long history. I mean, when you think back and you say you've been in e-commerce for, for nearly two decades, it's hard to really even think that e-commerce has 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 been a developed field for two decades and and one of the things that you know is always challenging in this industry is independent retailers seem kind of slow at times to adapt to changing technologies and 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 they've kind of had an interesting relationship with e-commerce i mean i i can name several independent home improvement retailers who have really kind of stepped up and started kind of blazing trails with e-commerce and done a really good job with it but overall there seems like there's kind of a hesitancy for a lot of independent retailers to get involved with e-commerce and omnichannel at least up to this point why why do you think that is you kind of have a long range perspective why is that hesitancy there the, this is this is one of those questions where i you know i i don't have a perfect answer but it a lot of times you know i've talked with hundreds and hundreds of retailers uh, and our dealers over the years and I think that the hesitancy generally has to do with uh, if if we back up, you know, like we, let's, let's just rewind ten years. A lot of it was, well, I I don't need to do that right now. Right. I don't need to do that. That that's a lot of times what the the answers would always be was, but I just I'm not worried about that right now. Um, and that would be that would be coming from rank and file retailers for a while, which was that right. the, I felt like the answer was unacceptable to be honest, even ten years ago. Um, from the from the lumber and building material side of the world, they may have been right at ten years ago. They didn't need to, like you know. But the retailers now, I think the the answer is pivoted to that's too much. I don't know how what I even need to do yeah. to get started. They're they're overwhelmed by it, so they almost don't want to even attack it at this point because they're like, oh my gosh, there's all these things I'd have to do. I don't know if I even want to get into it at this point. And that's, in our opinion, that's a that's a answer that basically scares the daylights out of us from people yeah. who are heavy on the retail side. Um, on the building materials, uh, you know, pro lumberyard side of things, that's an answer that I think is now like, you know, to the point of what I was making about retail. Now they need to be seriously considering it uh, at this point because, because of just how much things have changed over the past couple of years. Um, that's what contractors and home builders want to do. They want to book their building with supplies online and just kind of have, have their pro yard put it together and just come pick it up. So that's really what we would say is the hesitancy is really coming out of they don't know what they need to do. And they are really, when they hear about the amount of expense that's involved, because uh, they definitely hear that, um, and the amount of labor they would have to take on, the amount of expertise they would have to bring in and basically learn themselves, they don't want to do it. So we really feel like this is a this is a situation where 
dealers need to educate themselves, essentially. So that's why we Orgles push real hard on that uh, to really educate them on what is involved and how we can help, you know, basically spread out cost. Well, and that's always been one of the challenges, you know, years ago, we had a member of our board of directors at NHPA that said one of the biggest challenges for independent retailers is scale, is the ability to say, I don't have the resources if I have one, two, three stores to have an e-commerce manager. I I don't have the resources to have someone uh, maintaining and updating my website on a regular basis. And I remember as recently as probably the year before uh, the pandemic, talking to a retail group and and having a, a retailer very, uh, very loudly tell me, my customers don't want me to have a website. They don't want that. And, and, you know, I I could argue till I'm blue in the face, but, but, but the the reality was, you know, what was going through my head is even if the customers you've currently talked to say, they don't care if you have a website, what about the customers you're not getting? What about, what about the other customers? And, and I think just this realization that we've all come to over the last two years as we've been forced to do this is that online commerce or online interaction or omni-channel, buy online, pick up in store, buy online curbside pickup are just, they're now, I mean, they're really kind of part of the table stakes, aren't they, for running a successful retail operation? So so do you think a lot of that grant is prompting retailers on the independent side now to say, you know what, I realize what I've seen and now, and now, now is the time that I have to get involved in this. Are you guys seeing that? Yeah, there's there's the pandemic was a basically a crystallizing moment for a lot of our dealers because, you know, in some states, you know, curbside pickup was what, the only thing they were allowed to do sure. for for a few weeks or a month, a few couple months. Um, and so that really was a situation where it forced people to really mature their viewpoint on this in a hurry, you know, like of like, OK, well, this is obviously going to be a thing I need to do. And let's so let's do it. Um, so a lot of people jumped headlong into it, whether whether or not they um, wanted to, and probably were not doing it the way they wanted to, with just because of the environment, they just had to. They had to just leap into it and figure it out. Um, what we've what we've also been pleased to see is that this has forced some of the point of sale providers that dominate our industry to also come along as well. And we we've been pushing them pretty hard over the last few years, yeah. uh, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, this this really kind of pushed it a- along without the, the last arguments of we're not sure if we need to invest in this, you know, coming from out of the point of sale community, that those arguments fell away and the investments kind of came pretty promptly yeah. over the last uh, two years. So we're, we're happy to see that, you know, silver linings and all that kind of thing. Well, so, so the table has kind of been set. The situation is right. You know, retailers now are realizing that this is an area I need to be in. Stephanie, I'd like to ask you the question is, is what do you think the biggest challenge is? Now, if I'm an independent retailer and I say, I, I know I want to do this, what are, what, what do I, what am I facing? What, what are the biggest obstacles for me getting, you know, to, to a place that I need to be uh, in that kind of omni-channel online area? You know, I would say product data is the biggest challenge yeah. that our dealers face. I mean, without a doubt, you know, a, a typical independent hardware retailer stocks 40,000 SKUs. Yeah. So, you know, to source, validate, and enrich all of that data in-house is super cost prohibitive and time consuming. I mean, definitely. But, you know, it's just, it's just really not feasible given the speed of retail these days. Yeah, I, I know talking to retailers, uh, particularly when you're talking about e-commerce, uh, and, and I, I again, I... I 
keeping the guy reminiscing here, but but I remember my conversations with retailers before and just just talking to them about you know, uh, establishing some sort of e-commerce presence. And they would always say, but how do I, how, how do I do that? And, and my advice at the time was, why don't you just start with your top hundred or thousand items online? So, so backing up what you say, Stephanie, I think that was the big concern is, is not only is there a lot of data, I mean, just come on. I mean, it's Christmas. A lot of people are shopping online right now and 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 go to any online website and you want to see the product you want to see a picture of it you want to see you know the, the different sizes and so on and that's unlike maybe shopping for clothes where you have five sizes and a few colors um, when you're shopping for hardware or home improvement type stuff there are thousands of options and getting that data into some usable format for a retailer is undoubtedly a, a kind of a a daunting task and and to that point um, you know, just a, a week or so ago, a press release crossed our our, our wires and, and kind of one of the things that prompted us to have this discussion about the fact that Oracle, um, you guys hit the million item mark in your product uh, database. Um, a million's a lot of products. Uh, you know, uh, you were saying the average retailer stocks about 40,000 SKUs. Um, and I know, you know, from from talking to distributors uh, throughout the industry, you know, the average warehouse might have 60 or 80,000 different SKUs in their uh, kind of assortment. How do you get from 60,000 to a million? And, and tell us about, you know, what, end, what went into hitting that and why is that kind of a significant milestone for you guys enough so that you'd want to kind of make it, you know, put it out there in the press? Grant, why yeah. don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, the that really this this really comes out of a, a a situation where we we really realized that there were no options except to pursue this path because we when we were looking at revamping our programs about five years ago, we started having a lot of conversations with dealers um, and you know just saying like where what's your pain, you know, because some dealers you know were thinking about getting into it and then so we said all right, well we, you know, what do you not know and we asked those questions, but really the advice came from the dealers that were leading us, you know, that had been in e-commerce for quite a while. And we just said, well, what, what's your biggest challenge with getting into e-commerce? And, you know, what, what have you seen along the way? What's your biggest cost areas? Um, and they really just said, it's the product data. They're like, we can get a bunch of data from Orgle for the stuff we buy from Orgle, but it's everything else for our complete yeah. assortment for our business. They said, that is really the biggest pain point. We have to go, we have to go and you know, email bunches of vendors. We have to employ a bunch of people. That's their whole job is to sure. pursue vendors for data and then take once they get it from them, then that's where the work really begins because they got to go grab it. And then, you know, it might be manual data, like pulling it out of PDFs and pasting it into something to upload into the website. But of course, it's going to be a jumble because it's different from all these different vendors are going to provide it different ways. And so the experience on the website is not going to be very good unless you're spending a lot of effort in what we call normalizing it. Uh, and so that's it's a lot of effort to do that. Um, so when Orgle, basically, we, we already were in a situation where we wanted to do e-commerce for uh, CNRG. Uh, and so we knew we'd have to enrich a lot of data, but we said, hey, a lot of dealers are gonna need this too. So CNRG really acting as that lab where we yeah. essentially said, hey, we're gonna need to enrich this data because CNRG buys you know, probably there's still only half of their items come from Orgle. They still have to buy okay. stuff from all kinds of other places. 
So the challenge was existed for us anyway. So we knew a lot of dealers would need that. So we just said, look, we're just going to have to create this program and make it happen. Yeah. So that's really the the genesis of it and the really the the reason why. But yeah, all told, Orgle only stocks about 125,000 items across the non-overlap among the various distribution centers. So we're well outside what Orgle has in, in our warehouses. Great. So, so so to kind of be clear, you've mentioned a million items in your database. You guys must be sharing, you know, again, we said 40,000 SKUs in the average store. So you have to be sharing data with retailers that, that are items that, that Oracle doesn't necessarily carry. How does this work and why is it? And Stephanie, maybe you can speak to that a little bit and, and, and tell us why, why is that significant and, and why are you guys going through that effort with so much uh, product that, that Oracle isn't even selling? Well, uh, you know, all of our dealers have one thing in common, and that is that each of them are unique. They have things about them that define their brand identity. You know, they have a unique product mix um, that makes them relative to their customer base and relative to their community. And, you know, we know not all of those items are, are going to come from Oracle. Um, and we, you know, we, we really wouldn't be providing a complete solution to our customers if we weren't providing them data for those items that go above and beyond what Oracle stocks. And, and, you know, a million is just a, a lot of items. And, and when I even try and think of scale of, of, of a million items, what kind of product categories does that include? I mean, are, are, you know, obviously you think hammers and drills and, and plumbing, but, but what, what is kind of the array of categories that's included to get to that kind of million mark? Um, and, and I don't want to get too technical on taxonomy, but, uh, you know, right now in our uh, master taxonomy, we have 39 L1s, which is essentially 39 uh, master categories. And when you, you look at core hardware and you start breaking that down, you're like, well, OK, we got hammers, we got nails, we got drills. What else is there? You know, we also yeah. have farm and ranch. You know, we have you know, uh, housewares, we have gift items, we've got some, we've, we've actually got some really interesting things in our industry, Pim. But, you know, going back to what I said earlier, you know, you know, each of our dealers has those unique assortment mixes that makes them who they are. And, you know, in some cases, it's just one or two SKUs that, you know, drive customers into their store. And, you know, really, you know, the whole point of, of uh, integrated e-commerce for our, our, our dealers is, is, you know, it's another arm of customer service. Um, so when, when you uh, look at it that way, you're, you're really looking at driving those customers back into your store. So being able to provide that product mix to our customers, uh, and when I say our customers, I mean our dealers, but, um, but, right. but enabling our dealers to offer that to their customers um, is really what uh, I think drives the program. Yeah. And, and Grant, or earlier, you know, a, a lot of this is about convenience and independent retailers have always kind of hung their hat on on we're more convenient. And, and that's part of the battle here is making that shopping interaction convenient, given all the tools that are available to you. And and earlier on, Grant, and, and I'll open this either to Grant or Stephanie, but you had mentioned kind of pro dealers and lumber dealers and so on. That's right. And that's always been, a, a, you know, a question. I think a lot of pro dealers, and, and lumber yards have thought, well, you know, that's that's great when you're selling gift items or or, or drills or something that's kind of easy. But I stock so many different kinds of commodity products and so on in my operation. D one, 
it, it, is it a need for me? And two, you know, you talk about data, my gosh, there's, there's got to, when you, when you start throwing commodity products in there, there's got to be a lot of different things. And, and does this, what you guys offer, does it kind of extend into commodity products? And does it make sense at that point for, uh, a pro-focused retailer, a lumber retailer, to kind of really look at this as as a, a realistic option for them, yeah. uh, Grant or Stephanie, maybe weigh in from the two different sides of that. Yeah, I, I'll go first. It, what we've from the outset of the program, you know, when we created it several years ago, we we really said, you know, this the pro yard side of this has to be addressed because you know, many of our home centers are pretty heavy into building materials anyway. Sure. Um, so we, we have about 34,000 uh, commodity wood products in the industry. Pen. Oh, okay. And we have a dedicated role at Orgel as a part of this program that essentially when you get set up on the program, we basically say, okay, let's go through your wood products. And we essentially map their Greek to ours because everybody has different abbreviations and numbers in their system for how they identify that. And we just have somebody go through that with them and basically do that mapping as we would call it. Um, and then at that point you can get nice photography and engineering data for that particular, you know, and we get down into pretty granular detail. Stephanie could probably speak to that a little bit more to that, but that's really what the important part of it is because we do want to address the pro lumberyard side of it because we feel like, Hey, if they don't have that available. You know, the contractors aren't going to use the website because they're going to be like, well, I can't do a full order. I can only do hardware products or what have you. And then they'll just, you know, they'll just say, forget it. You know, and that's not what we want them to do. Cause like I said, we got that paranoia that our dealers really desperately need to invest in this. And that's, that's a keystone part of the program. Um, let me ask you a further question, though. We, we you know, just to make sure. I, I, sometimes when we go down this rabbit hole of discussing, we'll use terms, and I want to make sure we're defining kind of the terms we're using for our listeners out there. And and uh, even with the commodity products, you guys talk about having, and you've mentioned enriched data. And, and so, as we're talking about it, let's kind of define what do you mean by enriched data? Um, you know, that's kind of one of those terms out there. But Stephanie, maybe since you're the data person, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what what does that mean exactly and why is that important to a retailer? Sure. Um, just uh, to kind of keep it simple, when we talk about enrichment, we're referring to enriched data. Um, it's basically compiling all of the features and benefits um, for a particular item. And it also uh, refers to really how that data um, is displayed um, for the customer experience. You know, for example, if you're, um, and you know, everybody's familiar with online shopping, especially this time of year, we've all done it. Yeah. Uh, when you go online, you're looking for a particular item. Um, you know, if, for example, an item is missing an image, um, you're, you're probably going to be less likely to click on that add to cart button. So, you know, really the process of enrichment is taking that information that's available for manufacturers and compiling it in a way that's compelling for our customers okay. or for our dealers' customers. So you guys, I'd imagine, get this data in a variety of different forms. Grant, you mentioned sometimes it's a PDF with just some stuff on it. So when you guys enrich this data and work with your partners to enrich it, you're kind of making it usable for retailers. So with everything you guys have done with all these items to, to enrich it, 
to add, to, to, to put it in order, to, to, to fill in any blank spaces. How can a retailer then use this data? Why is it important to them kind of that you guys have this or make this available? How does it become a practical thing that the retailer can utilize? Right. It's, it's all obviously to enable e-commerce at the end of the day is, is the primary usage, you know, because a lot of times uh, there's a lot of churn in our industry. You know, there's new products that our uh, manufacturers are pumping out all the time. There's assortment changes happening all the time as, you know, as we, as the uh, competitive environment evolves, you know, our dealers get into categories which they think are, are more relevant for them. So yeah. there's a lot of churn. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I get emails nearly every day uh, where someone says, hey, send me your, send me your stuff, you know, send me your yeah. list of your products. And we can do that. I always just warn them. I'm like, if I send this to you, do I do you any favors? You know, because there is so much churn. You know, you're going to just be knocking on my door tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And so we always encourage basically a programmatic approach so that we can more solve for the pain, you know, rather than just just saying here, I just threw you a spreadsheet because we're we're approaching it from a standpoint of providing the data in a way that the dealers can consume it automatically. You know, that's really our goal with this whole thing is, is to be able to take it and, and induct it straight into their e-commerce website. Because it's one thing to say, well, send me all of the data. But a lot of times that would involve if I was just going to send like a, a spreadsheet, the spreadsheet would have thousands of columns, if that makes sense. Uh, and so that's why we have to say there is a lot more involved these days with just send me the send me the stuff. You know, like, it's, well, it's a lot. Yeah. And I'd imagine if you send a file by 6 p.m. today, that file might be different, That's right? right. I, I mean, if you just say, I'm going to push one file to you or, or, or send, you, send you a floppy disk with all right. the information on it, by the end of the day, that information's changed. So mm-hmm. having access to kind of up-to-date information is, is, is another uh, critical piece of the puzzle. Yep. We update every day. Yeah. Um, even with, so you guys have, uh, the data. So you, you, in a lot of ways, you've kind of solved one piece of the puzzle, but I'd imagine if I'm an independent retailer and say, okay, listen, I buy in, I want to make this happen. And I'm starting from point A and that point A might be, I have nothing to, you know, it might be, well, I have a website and I'm using some kind of off the shelf kind of e-commerce thing that I'm having to feed or whatever. W- what are the challenges today? for a retailer, you know, even with this stuff available to kind of get this integrated into their system. And Stephanie, what are there things a retailer can do, you know, kind of in advance that, that can make this kind of, you know, their ability to utilize the tool you provide in a more effective way? Yeah. Um, really the cleaner your POS system, the cleaner your POS data, oh, okay. um, the better data governance um, that you have um, yeah. the, uh, the the better the outcome. <laughs> I'm gonna say. I'm gonna What's say. What's old garbage in, garbage out? Kind of uh, that's <laughs> exactly right. And you know, I say that the average you know, retailer has about forty thousand SKUs in their assortment, but they may have two hundred thousand SKUs in their POS system that are obsolete and not important. Oh, okay. Or, you know, a lot of times we get submissions from dealers where the SKU dis- description is do not use. You know, so if, uh, you know, if dealers um, do a good job of uh, kind of working through their assortments and figuring out what is core to their brand and uh, what's going to drive sales, um, it, it makes for a better final product. So, yeah, just doing that in that prep work. 
you know, it's a, maybe a good housekeeping exercise, no matter what you're doing. Cause I can't tell you how many different areas of the business I've talked to, uh, uh, with any kind of project and kind of hear the same thing. Well, you know, clean data makes whatever the project is work a little bit easier. So it might be kind of a good, uh, a good step, no matter the project, but let me ask you guys this. Um, so you, you, you hit this million item mark, um, you know, and I can't imagine it's stopping. You're not going to say, Oh, million of one, we're done. Um, but where can you kind of tell us w- w- what is kind of the next phase? I-, I mean, I'd imagine there's a lot of projects on kind of the, uh, in the queue for you guys, but tell us a little bit about, you know, what's next for the, 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 the PIM and, and let me, you know, a PIM is, it's just a term that we're using here and I'm stopping to define these terms and what it is, it's just an inventory kind of item management system that, that, that makes it easy to organize data. So if you, you know, you can kind of replace that with database and it's really kind of the same thing. It's just really focused on products. So you guys understand that, but what's, what's kind of next for Oracle's evolution with this industry PIM and kind of on those e-commerce efforts. And I love to hear from both you guys, maybe maybe Grant, you start us off. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, you know, when we, when we started this program, you know, many years ago, we, we said, well, you know, what, what is the critical mass for this thing? Like, what is it, what is it that where we'll get a point where we feel like we're really getting somewhere? And we said, well, we'll just, we, maybe a million items. So really we felt like that would be, a million is a good start. Like that's that's where we think it is. I mean, it, we'll probably uh, enrich probably a quarter million more this year. Oh, okay. uh, and at, so I should say enrich, we'll add another quarter million. That's our prediction. I say this year and I mean 2022. 2022, okay. we'll probably add another quarter million to the industry pen. That's our uh, budgetary. We kind of try to figure it out. Um, maybe more. You know, maybe yeah. less. Just depends on what what our dealers ask and what happens in the industry, right? Because, you know, supply chain challenges dictate some of this uh, move on the on adding items as more you know manufacturers try to get into different industries. Um, but I would say overall, with our e-commerce efforts, um, it's really just a, a, a refrain would be investment um, because yeah. Oracle generally, you know, we're not we're we're not backing down from e-commerce. You know, we, we've we've really set up CNRG to be this lab uh, where we road test things. And so we've invested heavily so that CNRG can really test out these programs and make sure that it's something that works uh, and then deliver it to dealers. And then we'll end up, you know, saying, okay, that's great. That's phase one, phase two or whatever we're on. Uh, And then say, okay, now what do we, what do we need to do next? And so there's a lot of investments on both point of sale integration and improvements on the actual e-commerce platform. Um, But the product data efforts, we keep investing on that too. And in terms of Stephanie's team. So Stephanie, you want to speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our goal is more, better data. Um, no. So, you know, our, the, our priorities uh, for the for the data program for uh, for next year, for 2022, is, uh, you know, really to focus on uh, the depth and quality of the data that, that we're providing. And, you know, we, we have a tremendous amount of product knowledge on the product data team. Okay. Um, and with Oracle's new investment in technology, it's really providing us an opportunity to improve our processes and improve our efficiency in, in leveraging that knowledge to the, to the final product. Yeah, and it seems like with that volume of data, is there ever a point where you're done? I, I mean, because like you had mentioned earlier, an item description or item uh, type could change. I mean, a company is going to add you know, orange to their selection of colors and they'll get rid of blue because it's not selling. So those are things that are just 
constantly, you know, kind of churning in and out of this and, and adding items is one thing, but maintaining those items, uh, has got to be a pretty big task as well, which, which speaks to that concept of scale. It would be very difficult for a retailer to maintain the, the, the 60,000, 40,000, 20,000 SKUs. Um, I, I mean, that's, that would have to be a full-time job for, I, I naively would say for a person, but it's, it's gotta be, I mean, just out of curiosity, I mean, how, how big, uh, you know, is a project to just even maintain that data? I'd imagine that's a lot of what you guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, data is never done. <laughs> that's, that's true for us. Um, and you know, that's, that's really true for the dealers on the dealer side as well, because, you know, they're, they're constantly adding to their assortments and cycling out seasonal goods and that kind sure. of thing. And, you know, we're, we're constantly working with manufacturers to get product updates, to get image updates, um, and, and, uh, to keep, to keep everything, uh, as updated as possible. But, uh, yeah, it's an ongoing challenge. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely key to, uh, feature the program. Absolutely. All right, guys, as we're kind of winding down, I'd like to ask both you guys this question because I, I, you know, again, I think there's a lot of independent retailers out there that are, that are curious about how they get started or, or thinking about, does this apply to me still? So what is kind of the one thing that you think independent retailers should realize, you know, as it relates to how do I establish an online presence or how do I ramp up my e-commerce efforts? If you had to pick out one thing that you think is a common question or something that maybe is a misconception, what, what would you say that is? Grant, why don't you maybe start us off? Yeah, that like I mentioned, I've talked with hundreds and hundreds of dealers throughout the years. And so I, I feel like the one realization that really from a leadership standpoint, if you're if you're an owner or a leader at a at a hardware home improvement retailer, lumberyard, the realization should be this is that you really have to treat it like it's own store location. Like that's the okay. best analogy that I typically can get people to understand. If you treat it like it's its own location, you would think about it, you know, a, a location has rent, a location has staff. Yeah. And so we would say, look, I don't want you to have to invest millions into that new location. We just need to talk about what is, what should be the investment, right? Because right. it is an investment. It's not, it's not just a bunch of costs that are just going to spill out the window and you're not going to get any of it back. It would just be like opening up a new store location where you're going to start seeing a return. So if they can, if, if, if our dealers look at it from that standpoint, then everything else falls into place because then it's like, okay, well, what do I want? What do I want to, what am I going to do with marketing? What am I going to do with staffing? What am I going to do with the, the rent, i.e. usually it's the, right. you know, e-commerce fees that you pay, like that kind of thing. That's usually the best, the best way to look at it. If they realize that, well, the rest of the discussions will just be really more about details right how do we yeah, get this as going opposed to, as opposed to thinking about it like oh i'm going to change the system that i use to put pump music into my store or whatever mm -hmm. i mean it, it's not just a, a another piece of software or something mm -hmm. it's it, it's really truly thinking about it as as what that next extension of your brand and your business is that's, that's right a very good point Ste stephanie what, what about you yeah, I mean, it's 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 a collaborative effort internally. You know, it's not just a tech thing, right? I mean, it's sure. technology, but it's also marketing and merchandising. And, you know, like Grant said, it, it's the equivalent of another store, you know. And, and if you're putting the, um, the right resources behind it, um, you know, it could potentially be your top store. 
So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. A lot to digest here, but great work that you guys are doing too. I mean, it, it's hard to even get your arms around what a million <laughs> items is. It feels like so. So what an interesting and kind of unique uh, endeavor you guys have set off on here. And and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to our audience about it because it's so important and 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 couldn't be more timely right now. So thank you, Grant and Stephanie, for being on the program. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us.